Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. So we're going to talk tonight. I'm going to really focus on the biblical perspective. This is from a book. We're going to order some of these into the bookstore here for you to purchase if you desire. UPCI has produced a great book, The Apostolic Family, and it deals with a plethora of topics. And over the month of October, I'm going to take four of these chapters and I'm going to teach through one, each of these chapters that I uh, work on and pull from. Tonight, I'm pulling from the very first chapter, An Apostolic Theology for the Family by David and Sister Bernard. Um, but I would highly encourage anybody that wants to lead effective and efficiently in an apostolic family to consider purchasing that book. It'll give you some great answers to some common questions. How many in here would like your family to be blessed? I want my family to be blessed. And this is a great tool for the toolbox, so to speak. So we're going to talk about it tonight. I want us to pray before we dive in. There'll be four major points that I'll try to get through here. And then there's a, for those of you that are read-ahead people that have already had to flip through it, you've already done it, you've already touched every page. There's a very practical perspective on the end that will give you some study results. If we get into any of that tonight, then we'll, we'll get there. And if not, it's a little take-home additional blessing for you. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together here on a Wednesday night. I've been looking forward to this gathering. I, I enjoy so much the ability to come together and teach from your word and to look at the principles that are there for us to grow. Um, I'm asking that you would help us, that you would bless our families, that you would give us wisdom. Help me to speak in a way that it is palatable, receivable, that People, those that are gathered in here tonight, that I don't want to bore anybody, God. I want to help people. And I pray that you'd touch our minds and our hearts, help us to receive your word and to grow together in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many know the family is under attack? <laughs> I mean, the family unit is under attack. Hell hates your family. Preached about it Sunday night, a little too long, but I preached about it. And, and uh, Holy Ghost helped us. But the enemy does not want our families to succeed. We're going to talk through what the Bible has to say about the family. Now, some of you know this. I would say all of you probably know this. The problem is we're not often enough armed or familiarize ourselves with Scripture and keep our arsenal full, as it were, on these topics. So I'm going through this first chapter. I've broken this down into some headings. It doesn't look this way in the book, but you would find some of this if you have it or if you want to find it. From a biblical perspective, point number one, the family is important to God's plan 
for humanity. The family is important. There's a lot of people and a lot of agendas that want to make that ineffective. Or at very least, Brother Tipsword, they want to redefine what family is. But the family is important for God's plan for humanity. God instituted marriage with the first humans, Adam and Eve. When God established that covenant with Abraham, he included his household, his children, those descendants in both the commands and the promises. If you open to Genesis 17, you can begin to read through that. There's some uh, songs that we're singing as of late. One, the blessing specifically where we're talking about to be upon you and your children and the, the move through generations. But if we're not careful, Brother Ben, we really like the promises continued, but not so much the commands continued. <laughs> I love the promises thing. Give me my inheritance. The good, right? You get the house. I get the house. Yeah. And the taxes. I don't want the taxes. Then you don't want the house. It's part of it. It's part of the process. So he said, you, you know, they got the promises, but they also got the commands. Oftentimes we'd say, well, how many's heard or used this statement? They don't make them like they used to. Right? How people used to be. I'm going to tell you part of that problem is they don't whip them like they used to. <laughs> oh, that pastor, he believes in abuse. No, I don't, but I do believe in the word. Spare the rod. Come on, they're in class anyway. You ought to clap right now. Spare the rod and Spoil the child. Have proper discipline. Don't whip on them because you're mad at yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hit on them because you don't like you. That's not what I'm saying. Have proper discipline. Okay? And then follow through on it. You remember we had just got married. We had just got married. We were on a plane. Somebody was sending us. You know what I'm going to tell probably this kid. They, yeah. So we're, we're on this plane um, her, her grandfather sent us on a trip for our honeymoon. We're on this long flight. And the kid, I think right in front of us, this kid, <laughs> he was something. We didn't have kids yet. My patience might have been better. We didn't have children. We were newly married. But this kid was a mess. I'm talking for hours, y'all. This kid, this kid needed a whip. If a, kid's, if a kid has ever needed a spanking, this kid needed a spanking. And I was ready. Uh, I didn't want to go to jail, but I was ready. And I, I'll never forget, it still burned in my mind when, I mean, it had gone on for hours. And finally, the mom who had said, stop, now you stop. I don't remember what his name was, Toby or Stevie or some little E name. <laughs> she was sitting again, you stop, now you stop. And ah, I mean, for hours, I just wanted duct tape. <laughs> just, 
for hours. This kid, and, and anything they did, he was mad about everything. But Kevin, he's mad about everything. And finally, I'll never forget, this mom looked at him and said, that's it. You're in timeout. Where is he going? Timeout from what? Uh, uh, you know, they don't make them like they used to because discipline's not the same. There do need to be blessings, but there need to be, there need to be commands. They don't need a cell phone you don't have the password to. They, I, good news is I can tell you I'm not on Facebook. I have a joint account, which means my wife has to tell me anything that happens. But I'm going to tell you this. You lying and saying they're old enough to be on is not helping them. You helping them create an account when they're supposed to be so old well, it's not lying, Pastor. I'm watching. You ain't helping them. I'm going to tell you something else, too. And the young people aren't in here, so I'll say it while they're not in here. Most of them can't handle Instagram account. Brother Henderson, we know the truth about electronic. The average, we got to guard what they put before. Know the level of their maturity. Okay? Know the level of their maturity. Guard them because you want them to have the blessings. Well, if they're going to have the blessings, they got to have the commands. They got to have the guarding. It's got to be the oversight that's there, okay? God cares for individuals and broken families also. Don't we know that's true? There, hey, there's no perfect families. I hear some people say there's no perfect families anymore. I don't know that there ever was. But there's definitely not anymore. I don't even know who gets to define perfect. Okay? God's in charge of all this. Beautiful thing about the church, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We got flaws. We got issues. Aren't you glad that He loves us anyway? But He cares for the individuals. He cares for the broken families. He's the father to the fatherless. He's the protector of the widows. We sat in the office for a long time the other day. I, one of my first points of of being here was to try to send personal notes to all of those that are homebound saints and can't come out. And, and, and we're talking about how we minister. We can't wait to get back into the nursing homes to minister to people and, and try to get back in. Some are working on this. I'm looking forward to the ministry fair on the 25th of October. People that want to get involved as these restrictions continue to lift. For some of us, COVID has seemed like a nightmare because we can't interact. For a lot of people, this is their daily life. When we look at the people at our, on our worst day with family, some people dealing with a broken family or a broken situation or a dealing with the individual life, thank God He cares for all of us regardless of where we are. And even when you don't have a family unit there within your, maybe a husband, a wife, children of your own, thank God that's where the church makes up the difference. Amen? He's a father to the fatherless, the protector of widows. It can include those victims of divorce. And I will tell you, it's a victim of divorce. I've never talked to a divorce individual that's real happy about it. Well, that was quiet, but it's still true. God depended, or, or true religion rather, involves caring for needy children who've lost fathers, women who have lost husbands, James chapter 1. God places the 
solitary in family. Psalm 68, the church is a spiritual family of fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters. Ladies and gentlemen, we need each other. Oh, yes, we do. We need each other. That's why part of the system I'm working on for in our church attendance is not just, is, and I thank God for what we've done as a, as a church and growing and trying to take attendance, but I want us to know specifically who was here and specifically who missed. Brother Lopez, I want us to know if brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so wasn't here, I want us to know that they didn't make it so that we can reach out. Not to give them a hard time for missing, but to let them know we're just making sure everything's okay. We, wanna, we love you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. You can't believe how many times, well, you probably can, but we get calls from people that hadn't been in a couple weeks and the statement is, I can't believe no one even checked on me. That's why we can't be happy with big crowds. Amen. We can't just be happy with big crowds. Let me pick on the house again. You got several kids. It's not like you can go to sleep at night saying, well, we got most of them. Right? We got four kids, and so I'm constantly, when we're in public, counting kids. One, two, one, two. Right? Anybody with kids knows what this is like. Brother Titus, there's never been a time when I only got to three and thought, yeah, close enough. Hey, it shouldn't be that way in the church either. Shouldn't be that way in the church. And we do weekly numbers where we look, where were we this year? And I want to be able to look next year on this Wednesday night. I promise you, a Thursday next, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, one year from now, I'm going to want to know what was the number on this Wednesday night and what was the number on that Wednesday night. I'm going to want to know. Have we done anything? Where, what does our trajectory look like? But the reason I'm looking at that long scale means nothing to do with what I'm looking at this week. I want to know who's not here because they're ill. Who can we be reaching to? Sister Lamanda and the groups that are doing the pocket of seeds and making meals for so many. I'll tell you what's happening there. That's helping the family recognize, hey, it's whether you have other family members, some of you have family scattered all through the church and others come with not one single family member. But every time we come, we ought to feel like everybody belongs in the body. Amen? That's what it is. That's what the apostolic family is all about. When you've suffered through a loss, you've still got family. Amen. Point two, the family is based on marriage between one man and one woman who make a lifelong commitment. Now listen, anything we teach tonight, if you, you've already got in a place where you've suffered loss or you've been through a divorce or you've, listen, life happens, folks. I need more amens on that. Life happens. Things happen. And the grace of God allows us to move forward and thank God for it. Thank God for it. But the world does not want us to agree to this biblical concept right here. Marriage is based on a family where the marriage is between one man and one woman who make a lifelong commitment. We see that plan in the creation account before even the intrusion of sin. God created a man and then the woman was his helper and helpmeet 
for him, according to Genesis 2. The word meat here, as you read, that meat here is not a noun, but an adjective meaning suitable or comparable. Those are what you would see in some other translations there. Unlike the animals, the woman is a partner comparable to and suitable for and vice versa. The man is suitable and comparable for her. Quoting from the creation account, Jesus stated God's original plan for marriage. He, have you not read? That he, which he made them at the beginning, made he them male and female, and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and we're going to talk about that in a second, and, <laughs> and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. That is God's view of marriage. You leave your father, your mother. You cleave. The amount of counseling that I have done over the years from marriages that had too much family influence is astounding. Guys, let me help you. Maybe if you're newly married or maybe if you're seasoned and you ain't caught it yet. Don't compare her cooking to your mom's. You may never eat again. Okay, I know that your mom makes the best green beans in the world. This is one of my guilty statements. Yes, I'm going to be transparent. It's not how my mom makes green beans. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Bad line. Don't use that line. Okay? Ladies, let me help you. Don't emasculate your husband. With words like, well, my dad can fix anything. Why don't you go back and live with your dad then? Why don't you just, why don't you? Oh, I felt a little witness in the room right there. Felt some guys ready for the camping trip right now. I, why don't you just go back to daddy's house? Dad can't fix nothing. Your dad's busted up. Your dad, bro. Oh, I feel something in the room right now. I do. Man, I've never had so many guys in tune as right now. But. but we do, we compare. Some of you moms that have kids that have got married, stop hovering. Oh, pastor, you're meddling. You're meddling, pastor. Now I'm gonna help you. I'm trying to help you help yourself. Okay? Don't make her have to fake a smile every time you come around. Mmm, hi. You came over again. Come on, I know what I'm talking about right now. Let it be comfortable. Let it be comfortable. There's good books you can read. There's good YouTube stuff you can watch. I know it's personality-based. I'm not asking you to stay disconnected. Be connected, but be 
conscientious to what's being dealt with. Because when a marriage happens, they're supposed to leave and cleave. They are. They're supposed to leave and cleave. That's where we're at. Marriage involves, point three, a public leaving and a public cleaving. Come on, all your non-married years, all your dating years, you wanted to get some cleaving in. I'll be careful. <laughs> but you, you were waiting on the cleaving, okay? But you got to leave and cleave and it's public. You said, I do in front of everybody. Okay? Let's look at this just, just a little bit. That public cleaving, it's that commitment to join together that lifelong union of becoming one, one flesh, physically, emotionally, Spiritually, we got to drive through that. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Now, some of you can get there on different ways, and I love these conversations, and we'll do some of this this month. But physically, guys and ladies, different. Thank God. But some of you can say, okay, physically, I understand. We can come together we can, physically. Emotionally, that's a challenge. How many of you would be honest that are married right now would raise your hand and say, sometimes it is tough emotionally to find common ground? Raise your hand. Some of you are scared right now. Like, should I? I don't. Are we? No, we're not. We good. We're good. We're good. How about physically? Let me back up and have a little fun for some of you who are trying to make a, a comparison of that. Let me do the physical. How many of you know she's always ice cold and you're always burning up? Yeah. You want the fan on and she doesn't. You're always turning it down. She's always turning it up. It's 97 degrees. How are you cold? Spiritually. Spiritually, spiritually, she shouldn't be the prayer warrior while you don't pray hardly at all. And I understand there's some sensitive topics in the room because we have some that come without spouses. It, to that end, I want to tell you, you do everything you can do and don't you feel guilty about it. But if you're both in the church, you're both trying to live for God. It shouldn't be one spouse or the other that is the one who prays. Now you might pray differently. You don't have to pray like the same person, but you gotta pray. You gotta seek God. You gotta try to be spiritually in tune. I love during premarital counseling, I ask some of the fun questions. 
I try to ask them some of those questions that I don't think they've thought about yes. I make them write down their answers privately and then turn them around. I love the way they look at each other like, I didn't know. I don't know you at all. How many know things change once you get married? The, the things you thought were cute. <laughs> I'm just wading in tonight. I'm just. The things you thought, they're kind of, you know, it's kind of annoying, but it's kind of cute. It won't be kind of cute after marriage. Trust me. <laughs> if it was kind of annoying, it's about to be like nails on a chalkboard. You never even noticed, all your dating, you never even noticed they chewed with their mouth open. Somewhere about four months in, why do you chew like that? This is real life, folks. This is real life. But where I watch it, where I watch it get hurt and where we've all watched it is when they do not leave and cleave They'll find, they'll find themselves venting to family and family listening. Family, when they try to vent to you about their spouse, especially if they're both trying to live for God, I'm going to hurt some of your feelings. You don't need to listen to all that. Mama, he ain't your baby no more. Where's that sword at from Sunday night? You were doing better Sunday night. Where's that sword at? You... <laughs> he is my baby. He'll always be your baby. He's 300 pounds. He is not your baby. He's got a full beard and two kids. He's not your baby. Okay? Now, he may act like a big baby, and part of that might be your fault. Ooh, ooh. Everybody went, ooh, like it was personal. Like everyone knows who I'm swinging at. Ooh. And I love when everyone does that because it's like there's no chance it could be me. Like, ooh, whoever that is for. We got to let them, we got to let them work it out. Now, there are times, there are places, you got to, Listen, you got to pray with them, but you got to try not to infiltrate it. Moms, he can't be married to her and you. Dads, she can't be married to him and you. And if we're not careful, they will be married to them trying to make them fit the shape of you. It's unfair. Somebody say it's unfair. The husband should love his wife sacrificially. Guys, we got to love our wives sacrificially. Lead the family spiritually and support them materially. While the wife should respect the leadership of the husband. Work alongside of him. They submit to one another in forming a godly marriage, a godly family. 
When you get married, when you start forming that, sometimes you didn't think through where will we spend holidays. Let me just talk to some of the seasoned. You remember some of the early years when you just thought you were going to your parents for Christmas. And you accidentally said something like, well, when we're at my parents for Christmas. And she said, what? I ain't going to your mom's house. It wasn't, it was not intentional. It was just, but you had to work through it. It's dangerous to assume. And being married helps to work through that assuming. Work through that. And you're learning how to be together in a godly marriage, in a godly family, where you all of a sudden, you've been told for all these years what you should or shouldn't watch, and now all of a sudden you're the one setting the standard for kids in your home? That's the hardest thing about, typically that's the hardest thing about getting older, is in your mind you're still a kid. And some days you still act like it. Right? You want to. Time isn't kind to most people. Start getting older, you've got to become the leader. You've got to become the one that starts making those calls. They submit to one another in that godly marriage and family. Each has the authority to fulfill their respective responsibilities, each helping the other. Men and women have different identities and roles, and that's what our world's after. Please hear that what they're after and we've got to speak intentionally about we don't have to beat the world over the head with this like it's a new concept but they're trying to introduce a new concept to be norm normal or normative for us and it's not we believe that we look through this lens that men and women have different identities and different roles but they both should have equal value respect and spiritual status. Guys, she's not your doormat. Right? Married or unmarried. You need to know this. The opposite sex is not your doormat. Ladies, he is not your errand boy. Let me help every lady in the room. If you want the garage cleaned... Don't say these words. Our garage always looks trashy. You ought to clean the garage. If you could keep the garage clean like Jim keeps his garage clean, don't you ever. Don't ever. The chances of him cleaning that garage. Be, and if he does clean it, he's going to get madder at you with every box he moves. I don't even know how God linked me up with her. I pray she wasn't talking about you got some things you could move, I'll tell you that much right now. You laugh because this is life. You want to help him? Guys, I'm going to tell the truth. Guys in general, all, most studies say, unless you're the anomaly, you want to have him clean the garage? Brag on him. Play into that male ego that God designed into him. Nobody cleans the garage like you do. Baby, when you clean the garage, he don't even know why. He'll be whistling. 
kindly affection to one another, loving one another. If, you, if the only way that you can get your way from your spouse is by being demeaning to them, you got to reevaluate everything. I can typically tell you when a spouse treats one another like that, they don't pray together. They don't pray together. It's hard to talk to somebody that way that you spend time praying with. Prayer together builds respect. And I will tell you this. I have had so many that tell me, well, we can't pray close to each other because it's awkward. It's, it's awkward. Now, I understand that maybe you're not going along. To, I, I don't know where you fit your personality and where it is. But I will tell you this. You ought to be comfortable to pray together. Be comfortable to pray together. It'll help. It'll bring a mutual respect one for another. Men and women, men and women working together, this marriage, it's the co-equal partnership before God. Husband and wife are heirs together of the grace of life, according to 1 Peter 3. They are partners socially, economically, physically, as well as spiritually, forming one family unit for mutual benefit. Okay? Mutual benefit. And I don't know how far I want to dive into that for the sake of time, but I, I learn how to honor one another, build one another, encourage one another. Such a marriage is the means for nurturing children, teaching them to love God. Ladies and gentlemen, if the church does not have your kids long enough to be held responsible, okay? Based on their attention span, if we get them, if, if they've got youth service once a week, say we even get it a couple times a week, you take that, you divide that out at 365 days, we get them for about 1.5 days worth of teaching time, and then you start dissecting that through attention span, we don't have them long enough for you to blame somebody else if they're not living for God. Now we got to do our job here. Pastor's got to do his job. Youth has to do their job. Sunday school, they got to do their job. They got to work hard. But how many know when we go home, we got to do our job? Okay? We got to do our job. We got to do it to the best of our ability. You train them up in the way they should live. You do your best. And I hate to tell you this, but it seems like some walk away. Some don't want to live right. Some don't want to live righteous. Some get their own mindset. You do the best you can. Do the best you can. And then like I taught last Wednesday night, if your kids outgrow it and you can start duplicating yourself in somebody else, then you start duplicating yourself again. We need godly families. I'm kind of just caught on this moment. I, we need godly families. We need godly families that don't sit down together and watch Hollywood trash. Okay? I, I, man, I'm just going to. Okay? There's a bunch of stuff that don't belong in your house. The agenda is not from heaven. You don't want them to be taught curriculum at school that teaches those kind of relationships are okay, but it's all right if they just watch it on the... No. 
We've got to be guarded with what they watch and what they see and how they talk and what they do. You know what? I'm, I'm going to tell on myself. I told about the time playing games. I didn't. I, I flipped the one table, whatever it was, the early in marriage. I, I'm not a huge game player person. I'm not. Some of you that just want to play games every night. I don't know how you have the time, number one. But that's not me. I, I don't. I don't love it. But we try to keep a Monopoly game going. We try to keep a pool game going. We try to keep wholesome, just interaction with families, spending time together. If your game's Monopoly, find out what your game is as a family. And I saw somebody in here thinks Monopoly's of the devil, whatever. <laughs> then find one that you think is not. Angels, who know? Whatever you want to play, you just find something that... But something that your family can play and spend time together. Spend time together. Now I'm going to say this right now. Divorce undermines the divine plan of God. We know that. I've never talked to one person that, that said, I think, I think divorce is what God had in mind when we got married. Nobody, nobody goes into marriage hoping for divorce. But how many have lived long enough to know it happens? Ooh, it's dangerous ground, pastor. Got to be careful there. This is where we live, folks. Moses was talking about divorce. This isn't new. But it does undermine God's divine plan. And no matter what, how we want to spin it, divorce happens as a result of sin somewhere. Divorce happens as a result of sin somewhere. But folks, we got divorced people. When they come in the church, they ought to feel loved and encouraged into the body and strengthened in the body. And they've got to know that there is life beyond that. If you believe that, say amen. amen. There's a biblical way to move forward through that. And thank God for it. Some people are not ever going to be married. And that's okay. Crickets. It's okay. Some are actually called to a life of singleness. They have special opportunities to serve God in certain ways that married people often cannot. I have known some of the most amazing people in my life that never got married, have done spectacular things for God. It was not their lot in life. It was their call of God in life. And you know where they fit? In the body of Christ. In the family of Christ. They fit here. And thank God for it. Let's jump down to this last point. I got to put landing gear down. Practical instructions for the Christian family. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul provided practical instructions for Christian family. Families in Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, verse 4. Wives, Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is your savior or he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And I know the sticky question that's out there right now. Well, what about if my husband doesn't live for God? 
What if my husband... You can be respectful as a wife. But no person, no person deserves the ability to drag you to hell. Mm, Somebody that believes with me right now, you say amen to that. No person. Some of us have perfect marriages in here, but I'm telling you, there are some that are scattered in here tonight that I'm talking directly to you right now, and you hear me. You love them. You be respectful. You do the best you can. But no person has the ability or should be given the rights to drag you to hell. You love them to the level of allowance. You entered into that covenant, but you live for God, and you love God to the best that you possibly can. Amen. For husbands, this means you love your wife. Oh, I've seen so many guys use this scriptures out of context. You're supposed to submit. Well, before you get too high and mighty, Captain Testosterone. Yeah, that submission turns back on you. It said, as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died. Remember the whole stripes on the back thing? That'll make you letting her choose the restaurant this Sunday feel a lot less. Husbands, we got to love her like Christ loved the church he gave his life for. Watch this. To make her holy. And clean. I want to be godly because I want to guard my wife. I want to guard my family. He did this to present to himself a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle or without blemish. Jump down here and there's a little asterisk right here. It is important to note that husband and wife are to submit to each other. They should love and respect one another and give themselves for one another. Second, the roles of a husband and wife are of equal value and status, but they are different. They are not the same. The husband should take the responsibility to be the spiritual leader of the home and give himself sacrificially to protect and provide for the family. The wife should support his spiritual leadership as he follows Christ. And that's it right there. As he follows Christ and work together with him. Third, the father and mother should work together in the nurturing and the training of their children. Fourth, there is no justification for verbal or physical abuse or any forms of mistreatment by anyone. And I'm going to add something to anyone. No one deserves to be mistreated. Not just physical. I didn't hit them. No, but your words destroyed them. I sat across the table from grown men whose fathers. I don't want to get worked up on this, but I'm going to tell you, say I love you. Love them. Hold them. Nurture them. Well, I want them to live right. Well, then show them what right is. Love them. You want them to pray? Let them hear you. Let them hear you pray. If the only time they hear you praise at church, there's a problem. Stand with me. 
What do children have to do? You got to obey the parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. And if they're not in here, you might have to leave this on their bed. You weren't in there tonight, but pastor wanted you to have this. <laughs> obey them. But the asterisk on that one is, it's easier to obey if we do not provoke. We skip over this. We don't really, we don't really touch this a lot. Brother Matthews, this is a real thing. Fathers, moms, this is, this is rhetorical. You're, it doesn't have to say mothers to mean you too. Doesn't say mom. It does. It says fathers. It's a given. Don't provoke them. Don't provoke them. Well, what's that mean? You, you understand. Don't provoke them. Be careful with them in the way of discipline and instruction. Make sure it comes from the Lord. There's incredible studies that are at the end of that. The practical perspective. This is again from chapter one. I want to have an apostolic family. I want to have a strong family because if we have strong families, when we come together as a body of believers, it makes the church stronger. Say, I want to have a perfect family. Sorry. Shoot, shoot for an apostolic family. Okay? Trust me, the apostolic church, they had problems too. Brother Hunter, issues. They were there. How'd they try to get? They tried to be apostolic. They tried to follow doctrine. We got to follow after that wisdom. Man, I really feel the Lord here tonight. Throw your hands towards heaven. God, I thank you for our time in your, in your house. I feel strengthened and encouraged. I thank you for the great families of Calvary Tabernacle. We want to be apostolic, which means we want to have the apostles' doctrine. We, we want to we want to know what you have taught to the church. And that has not been lost throughout the years of confusion and years of idolatry and witchcraft and all kinds of variance and wrath and strife that the world has tried to bring. We want the apostolic doctrine to be applied to our lives and to our families. We want to be good husbands, good wives, good parents, obedient children. We want to have a healthy and holy family unit. We're asking for your help. We're asking for your help. We need your blessings, but it means we know we have to follow your commands. In Jesus' name, bless this great congregation. Amen.